right. Hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of Raiders Radar. Um, today, I'm joined by the famous Lab Monkey. Um, Lab, I think you may have more titles than the Grand Admiral now. Um, Hero of Mandalore, Heartthrob of the Senate, um, GAC expert, TW King. Uh, how's it going, man? <laughs> hey, buddy. Thanks for the introduction. And uh, yeah, I don't even think that's Arnold's uh, actual title anymore, is it? I, I haven't been following too closely, but I think he changed it. So is he like Grand grand monkey emperor or something i don't know yeah yeah sounds about right <laughs> um so today we're just gonna kind of talk through uh some of the initial reactions to rise of the empire um so how are things in mandalore do y'all like it y'all do well did y'all dominate as always yeah um so initial impressions from the new tv is i really like it i think that my like for it will probably cool off after the novelty wears off. But for right now, uh, it, it's, you know, a fr- fun, engaging new challenge. And uh, we did okay in it. We definitely could have done better. We, we were set up to do better. But uh, the day one platoon snafu uh, from CG, it was, uh, it was a little too much for us to handle. Um, both me and Chameleon, who kind of were tag teaming, this uh, this first TV, we were both pretty busy on day one. We had already done all of our initial plans and stuff. And so <laughs> with it being just a 24-hour phase and uh, us not really having time to scramble, we were just like, okay, news, new plan. We're just going to preload everything on day one and then go from there. So that cost us, that definitely cost us some stars. But, you know, it's it was the first one. We So we're not too upset about it. We think we're going to do very, very well going forward. Uh, how about how about you guys in Scarif? How did you do? Um, yeah, we did well. Uh, sort of similar to you guys. Um, uh, Vitus and I run uh, territory battles. Dran and uh, Cappy are kind of helping out on the back end of stuff. Um, they're just kind of get going into it, just like we are in the new TV. Um, so we had a plan um, just with deployments because we had no clue what the CMs were going to look like. We had a plan to do 23, and we were kind of adjusting on the fly. Ended with 25, but not doing a ton of uh, platoons. Like you said, those relic requirements are pretty steep, and then not having enough time to really get them prepped ahead of time. Um, so I think we filled maybe four to six total across the TB, but some of those were because of preloading zones. So, like, for example, us preloading Dark Side Phase 1, some of the characters that were needed, we only had one of. So because of the way that the preloading works when your roster resets, we were able to get another platoon in that uh, second phase after the roster reset. So some things like that helped us out. Um, but we were pretty pleased with it. Um, kind of like you said, the initial fun aspect of the TB, the novelty of it um, may go away, but um, seemed to enjoy it overall. Uh, most of the guys uh, in Scarif seemed to like it, uh, like the new puzzle aspect of it. Um, and excited, at least moving forward, to see some progress on that. Um, were, were there things left for you that um, maybe some things that you like, oh, my gosh, I really love this on the on the TV. It was exactly what I was thinking about it. Or maybe some things that was like, eh, that didn't really fulfill what they said uh, or what my expectations were leading up to the TV. Um, yeah, so there are two things that I really like about this TV uh, that I can think of right away. The first being, I'm so glad that they just have fleet GP deployment stuff mixed in with the ground GP stuff. 
that you don't have to run a hotbot command and worry that you know hotbot is lying to you because it can't read fleet deployments properly. We don't have to worry about that anymore. It all just like if you deploy all of your GP just like goes plop right into that planet. And that makes it a lot easier for territory battle officers um, to be able to track who has and who has and hasn't done things. So really like that aspect. Um, I'm really glad they made that change. That's that's a real um, it, it seems like it's really small, like a very small thing. But trust me, yeah, for those of you who have ever tried to manage running a TB, it's huge. So. Um, that that was that was the first thing that I really liked, and the other thing that I I, I do like about this new territory battle is the the planet modifiers. I, I think they add a pretty interesting new strategic twist. Um, I, I I do recognize that most of them have already basically been figured out in terms of which modifiers you know are good for certain characters, which ones are bad for other characters. Uh, you know, it doesn't really take the player base very long to figure them out, but it's still interesting to have something besides, you know, enemies have 3,000 tenacity and 5 million health. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are the two things that I really like. There are other things that I that I like about the TV, but uh, I'll uh, I'll let you have a turn. What What is it that uh, that you really find yourself enjoying about the new one? Yeah, as a primary TB officer, I absolutely love the what you just said. Uh, ship GP, character GP, it's all deployable in the same zone. I don't have to work with a spreadsheet anymore, constantly tracking Hotbot to see what GP people have to, available. And, oh no, uh, ship zone is full, so now I'm having to message people that probably already deployed their character stuff, but still having to message them uh, to get online to maybe deploy their character GP. So love that, uh, that it's combined now. Um, I really like the simplicity of the TB. What I mean by that is it's two, two waves um, in phase one or zone one. The CMs were fairly easy overall, like um, I'd have to remod like we do in LSGO. Um, the planet modifiers, some of them were a fun puzzle. Some of them were kind of difficult. But like you said, the player base kind of figures out what they are and figures out what works well and what doesn't work well. So we figured out fairly early into each zone, what was working. Um, but I like the almost simplicity aspect of it, of having to remod less waves. Um, the, the strategy seemed fairly straightforward once you understood the modifier. So I think moving forward, this TB will be much simpler than LSGO, where it's very specific team comps and very specific um, control things that you're trying to do around the enemies. This one seemed a little bit simpler. So I really love that. Um, not in a negative way, but maybe something that uh, didn't live up to the hype or that was not as good, maybe, as what I was thinking. Um, CG, whenever they were selling it, was almost like a storyline aspect of this is the rise of the Empire. You get to re relive some of these moments and uh, some of the great scenes of uh, Star Wars legacy. And I was really expecting more cutscenes. Um Things like that, that maybe not a ton of time and effort had to go into make because they've already made some of it for Lord Vader, which I don't have Lord Vader, so maybe some of it was in there. Um, but cutscenes for that where Vader's fighting Kenobi, um, cutscenes for the Reek or the Ackley, where now you're having a dialogue thing where you're again reliving those Star Wars moments, not just going in and battling the Reek or the Ackley mission with a different set of characters than what you've normally done. Um, so again, not a negative thing, but it was just something that maybe I was expecting that didn't have. 
Um, is there anything maybe that, that you um, were expecting that didn't have uh, live up to that hype? Huh. Um, you know, I, for, for, to answer this question, I tried to go in with very few concrete expectations because, um, I didn't want to get disappointed too much. Um, and, and you're right, you're right in the aspect that CG did kind of promise this is more of a storyline base, uh, TV. I will say that since you don't have Lord Vader, Lord Vader's, uh, mission in the first, uh, the the first phase, I, I felt I felt like CG delivered on that mission for sure. That is as a cool mission uh, because it's basically like you just take Lord Vader by himself and you go to Mustafar and you battle. Like your first wave is like against Newt and some droids, like where he slaughters them um, from from when uh, Palpatine told him to go slaughter them, and then you know the second wave is him fighting Kenobi like with the high ground. So. Um, it, there's a, there's another mission who I'm sure <laughs> I, I only saw a video of this because we have two people in our guild who have R5 plus Kit Fisto, but, uh, that mission with Kit Fisto and Mace, that is another one that's pretty cool where you go and, uh, you basically, you fight against Anakin and Sidious. Uh, it's like the arrest scene in the throne room or not the throne room, the Senate chambers. Yeah, where Mace gets thrown out the window and stuff. So um, there aren't any cutscenes in there uh, that I re recall. So I think you're right about that. They probably could have put those in. My guess is that they thought about it and they were like, this TB is going to last for two or three years and players are going to be absolutely sick of having to go through cutscenes every time they play it. So they probably just didn't put them in. Um, so yeah, that was a long-winded saying, uh, way to say, I, I think there's some in there, uh, that probably you just, you know, weren't, weren't able to access, unfortunately, because you just don't have Lord Vader yet. But, you know, a lot of people are in that same, uh, that same position. Certainly I won't be having R5 Kit Fisto for a very long time. So I had to live vicariously through a couple of my guildmates on that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that is almost a bridge. Um, one last question, maybe on the initial reactions to Rise of Empire before we get to maybe that bridge you're talking about, about building, potentially building or not building Mace and Kid Fisto. Um, what were your thoughts on the overall time commitment um, of the TB compared to LSGO? Darkside Geo, I'm sure for you, like it is for most higher end competitive guilds, is just a cakewalk to you get to phase four. Um, but compared to Lightside Geo, what do you think about the time commitment with this one? Yeah, that's that's an excellent question. And um, I, I think the answer is still a little bit up in the air because I think once we really get the hang of this territory battle, at least in Mandalore, this is going to be different for every guild, but in Mandalore, we're going to be pushing up through the fourth uh, planets. Mm -hmm. And that's probably about where we'll stop for a while. And once you get to the fourth uh, planet where it's just R8 and above. I, 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 I don't know about you, but I don't have a whole lot of full teams that are R8 plus, right? <laughs> That's right. And I'm not going to for a while. So when we get to this planet, it's going to be like do one mission, deploy, and you're done. Mm -hmm. uh, well, actually, it'll be two missions because there will be fleets. Um, so I don't know. The early, the early phases, there, it's definitely a bigger time commitment commitment for me than light side geo just because there's so many more missions and maybe that will even out a little bit once i 
get the hang of, okay, these are all the characters that I'll have available after we do platoons. So these are the, the teams that I will run every single time in each mission. And maybe that will take away a little bit of the time commitment aspect to it. But it is still a lot of missions. Like, yeah. I even, even on the Phase 3 planets, I was running... I think I was doing something like 9 or 10 missions across the three planets. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot between fleet and ground. It's, that's a lot of missions to ask people to run consistently in a 24-hour period. And not even really a 24-hour period because you don't want to be putting CMs off until the last possible second. So, yeah. Anyways, that's that's a long way of saying I, I do think even even a, versus light side geo, my time commitment is definitely increased. Um, and we're running this, you know, both times, so we're losing we're losing dark side, which was a cakewalk. Yeah. But e- even according even versus the light side uh, TB, it's it's still an increase in time commitment. So that that is my main concern is that I, I hope that it doesn't cause too much burnout once the novelty wears off. Uh, mm. What about you guys? How how did you feel it uh, um, it compared versus your your other territory battle experiences? Yeah, well, I think the main thing for me um, is the I lost um, or I saved a whole bunch of time rather on Rise of the Empire because of not having to remod like I did for Light Side Geo. So that saved a lot of my time. Um, really enjoyed not having to remod uh, again it, the combat mission point total doesn't warrant right now um the way that our guild is set up and the first run but it didn't warrant having to move mods for the, the new tbs that saved a ton of time for me um a potential negative but i'm kind of neutral on the fence about is the 24 hour phases um yeah. uh, like it's a shorter time overall. Um, I like the 24 hour phases in that um, I do most of my Swaga stuff early in the morning when I wake up before my wife and my kid are up. So I can get into the habit during the TB, um, just like I do during Conquest, where I do the TB, I can do Conquest, I can do my dailies, I can do all that stuff first thing in the morning, which puts me in the final like nine to 10 hours of the TB. Um, so it's okay. Like it's not a, a terrible thing for me as an officer to be that late. Uh, but other people who do similar things, maybe for you uh, as a listener, whenever you wake up, maybe it's only four hours until the end of the phase. So maybe the time commitment isn't more, but the time pressure almost feels like more because it's only 24 hours versus 36, like we were used to for geos. Um, I don't know. I like. I didn't. I didn't feel like a, a massive drain on my time. But this was also the one not running during conquest. <laughs> so I'll let you know. And yes. conquest starts in five or six days now. Um, so I'll yes. let you know <laughs> how that is next week if uh, if we have a greater time commitment with that. <laughs> yeah. So that was definitely one point that I wanted to make sure we covered in the time commitment slot is that we have not run this territory battle battle while conquest was running yet, mm-hmm. and. Granted, I, I mean, CG, thank goodness they set it up to where we will never have Territory Battle and Conquest and GAC all running at the same time. So we'll only either have GAC and TB or we'll have, you know, Conquest and TB. Never all three. Thank God. But I can tell you that GAC, I mean, you can slack off in a week of GAC if you need to. Like, you can literally just let your defense roll over. 
do a 10 banner attack and call it good. Like that, that can be your time commitment pressure relieved if you need it to be. But in conquest, I mean, assuming that you want to be somewhat competitive, you know, if you're not in a casual guild, you need to be in conquest every day, not only getting red box, but farming data crons. That right. time pressure will not be relieved. And so I am a little concerned for what the next territory battle is going to look like with Conquest running at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Sure. And what, Conquest does start in five or six days? Um, yeah, yeah five they, days. They'll, yep, they'll basically start up around the same time. Yeah. So all the upper-end competitive guilds in the in the Senate, every every member will be stressed and not being able to keep up with the thousands of chats in the rooms like sometimes we can. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Yes, we will have plenty to do in-game. We won't be playing the Discord part of the game as much. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, a, a little bit ago, you mentioned uh, the Kit Fisto and Mace Window um, CM that's in phase or zone one there in the, I think it's light side or is it mixed? Uh, it should be light side because it's a Jedi mission. Okay. Um, that, that mission, you mentioned you may uh, be changing your farming habits for that. Is that right? <laughs> No, no, I'm not. I'm not relicking Kit Fisto. No, um, there's no real reason to, in my opinion, at least not in Mandalore, because in in a month's time, once Scythe uh, gets unlocked, we will have the ability to fully, you know, fully do all the platoons or what are they operations? Now I'm just going to call them platoons. Uh, so we're going to be able to platoon everything, at, which means we're going to be able to get nine stars on day one. And that's without a bunch of people trying to do that mission. And so there's no real reason for us to ask our, our members to all, you know, our five kit Fisto just to do a mission that we don't really even need to run to get max stars on that day. So that calculus might change a little bit with you're a bit lower of a guild and you're trying to push for an extra star, that might be worth doing. I'm not sure. You know, each guild officer will have to make their own judgment call on that. But it seems like there are enough resource drains uh, for this new territory battle that if there's something you don't absolutely need to do, it's probably best to push it off. What do you think? Uh, what, what, what is, uh, what's Scarif's plan on that? Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, we're not going to push people to mod... Um, or farm uh, Kit Fisto and Mace Window for that mission. Um, similar to Mandalore, at some point down the road, we're not quite there yet on total GP to be able to max out Zone 1 in Day 1. But at some point, we will get to that point. Or at some point, we will push the light side side and max that out in Phase 1 um, because of it leading to more stars or whatever. Um, so our re general recommendation is not going to be to farm those special character missions like Mace Window. Kid Fistu, Kira, um, who's the other one? Young Young Han. Um, we're not going to encourage people to gear or you know farm them up, push them up to Relic Five, Relic Six, whatever the requirement is. Um, that's just not in our path. I think um, the biggest thing that we are focusing on in Scarif is overall um, benefit to the account and benefit to the guild. So, for example. Um, but the platoon characters that have the specific relic requirements for them, um, we're encouraging and farmed out or uh, assigned people certain characters to farm 
um, like low gray, like um, Cup, like Ugnot, um, some of those really, really trashy characters that just aren't good in PvP or general game modes. We, we assign those out to certain people so that in the next month or two, we can get the platoon bonuses, which are worth so many more points as a whole for our guild, rather than one specific combat mission worth 200,000 points for a Relic 5 Kid Fistu and Mace window. Um, so that's kind of where our focus has been, has been pushing those platoon characters for the first three zones. And then after that, just kind of going for uh, better farms, which you can, you know, kind of transition into next. Um, what's what's the path for Mandalore? What are you guys encouraging people to farm? Um, and what's what's the, I guess, next thing that people should be working for for you guys? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll give you a rundown of what we're encouraging our members to do. Um, it, it's very similar. Like our, our plan is basically exactly what you laid out. We're, we're not too worried about special missions. We're just worried about the platoons first and foremost up through phase th the first three phases. And uh, once we get a handle on that, you know, after we give our members a breather from gearing up Ugnots and Lowgrays and all that other garbage, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start thinking about platoons past phase three. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, as far as what we're encouraging our members to do, the, the most important thing for us by far is for people to have those platoons ready. Mm -hmm. that is, that's the biggest thing that allows us to push for more stars. And uh, I don't know if you glanced through the rewards uh, like I did at the higher star levels, but uh, I think the highest, uh, the biggest guild got 36 stars this past TV. Mm -hmm. And uh, 36 stars will get you actually not just Zim and impulse detectors, but it'll also give you a Gerda keypad. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it's not that's not something that's currently quite within Mandalore's reach yet, but it's definitely something that we can get to, you know, with b before the end of, of this coming year for sure. And so that's that's our number one concern is making sure we all have the the rare platoons necessary to be able to put us in a position to to get those higher star counts. Yeah. Uh, I would call that 1A, actually, in priority, because 1B priority is Grand Inquisitor and his team. Yep. So, so obviously, I mean, for, for those of you who have not taken a good look at Third Sister or, or Reva at her kit, it is, it's very, very strong. It's, in GAC, it's going to be bonkers with the Omicrons. If you don't have her and you face somebody who does have her, you're going to be very sad. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, GAC is the individual thing. Um, it's, it's not really as important in, in Mandalore's eyes as Territory War is. And same thing in Territory War. Like, Grand Inquisitor and his team are very, very good. But if you put Reva in there, they're going to be able to beat most teams that are currently in the game right now. And uh, so, you know, we don't, we don't want to be at that disadvantage. So we want to get, you know, as many Reva shards as possible so that we can unlock her quickly and not be at a disadvantage to some of these other competitive guilds who will also be doing the same thing. So uh, if, if our people have Grand Inquisitor or are about to get him, his event has probably already started running, I'm guessing, by the time this podcast gets published or is just about to. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, anybody who is anywhere close to, to being able to get him, we definitely encourage them to push their inquisitors to make sure they were ready to get him so that, you know, they would be able to get the Reva shards because those are very, very important to us. And we're hoping, we're hoping maybe 30 per TB is, is a, is a decent goal that would put the unlock, you know, around end of May, early June. So that's that those are the two biggest things and you know combat missions bringing teams up for them are a distant third i think that individuals typically they put that pressure on themselves anyways because it's frustrating to go into a a a tb phase and you're like oh i can only do two missions out of five so you you start looking and you're like well you know if i just push relics on these two characters i could do another whole mission I think individuals do a good enough job doing that, that we don't really need to push for that very much at all, especially with our other two asks that we already have out. So, Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so uh, what, what are you guys doing in Scarif? Anything differently? Um, how, and how important are you, uh, are you thinking that Grand Inquisitor is going to be for you? Um, yeah, so we're um, actually working on a farming guide image uh, just to put out. We put it out in text, but a lot of times people miss text because of Discord chats and the way... It sometimes it works out where um, it's a story <laughs> of wall of text rather than just a simplified picture. Um, so we're working on something like that to put out to the guild. For us, um, number one for accounts in Scarif are Java. Um, that's our primary focus for people to get into. Um, similar to Mandalore, but a little unlike Mandalore. Um, it's, it's just pushing GL growth overall. But Jabba is so key right now to PvP, PvE aspects of the game. Um, the Smuggler's Run 2 with the mod slicing materials, he's used in a mission in every single phase in the mixed or um, neutral path of the TB. So that's going to be key. Um, he's just so good at so many aspects of the game. Um, we don't have a whole lot of Jabba's right now. We have a lot of people pushing for him. Um, but we're also missing a ton of other GLs around in probably a different aspect of Mandalore. I would imagine you guys have most GLs unlocked. Um, and so we're trying to push Jabba as, hey, if you're confused about what you're going to do next, once you finish Lord Vader, once you finish Supreme Leader Kylo, once you finish Rey, once you finish Starkiller, things like that that people are farming that are good farms, um, what, what should be the next thing? That's where we're kind of pushing is go to Jabba. Um, right under Jabba <clears throat> in kind of a two... Uh, number two, but we have it split out into two A, B, and C. If you don't have uh, profundity, um, profundity is our two A uh, because it's so good in fleet and because it helps out in some of the fleet missions. And fleet GP helps to inflate your overall GP as a as a player. And that's kind of where we are in need more so right now. At three hundred eighty-eight million GP for us as a guild, the larger the GP size that we have, the more GP deployment we have available. So that's kind of 2A. 2B is right behind it as Grand Inquisitor um, to be able to push for those Reva shards, have another great um, TW team to have a good um, Grand Arena team once Reva becomes unlocked. And it's just a good squad. The R7 requirement is not fun. Understand that. But it's still a good, a good, good team. Um, and then 2C for us is um, Afra. And the reason Afra is 2C is because of her platoon requirements. We don't have a ton of whales in uh, Scarif, so not a lot of people already have her to be able to fill those platoons. So that's kind of why that's a 2C is to be able to help us on platoons. She looks like she's going to be really good 
uh, with current data grind sets, but who knows? And it's still kind of a new team, so that's kind of out there. But the main reason it's 2C for us is because of the platoon stuff being gated behind those new marquees, Sana, Triple Zero, uh, BT, and uh, Hondo. So anyway, those, that's 2C. And then right after that, third, if you get done with those or if you're still wanting to jump around, third after that is just overall account growth. Push another GL. Um, if you don't have all GLs, push another GL. Push another good team like Starkiller. Push them up some relics maybe for some combat missions if you want to because you don't have Cat at R7. Um, you only have her at R5 like myself, so I can only use her in Phase 1. Um, things like that. That would kind of be our third thing. So that's kind of where we are as um, a, a guild. And um, to kind of further uh, point your, your note on platoons, platoons slot in for us above Jabba. So whatever you're working on, um, it's kind of an un, unstated or I didn't specify, uh, but I wanted to, to just for clarity. Um, but before you go to the next thing, whatever that is, make sure that um, Scarif guys or you, uh, if you're listening in your own guild, are pushing up your own platoon characters that you assigned, uh, got assigned for, and push that up before going into the next thing. Hopefully it's just one character for you, and hopefully it's not that much of a distraction to delay a GL or the next thing for you. Um, so that's kind of the next thing I want to ask you, Lab. On platoon characters, what, what did you draw the short stick on? Haha. <laughs> Yeah, um, so <clears throat> just to tie all of that together, what you just said, I think it's really, what you guys are doing is very smart uh, in terms of how you're prioritizing attacking this new TB in terms of farm. Yeah. And uh, just so everybody understands, the, the reason that I didn't say anything about Java or Profundity is because Mandalore is in the position where we already have 21 Jabas, and most of our people without him are on the way to him. And that's because we have almost all of the other GLs maxed as well. I think we have 46 Rays and 46 LVs, and the other the other GLs are like at 50, basically. So, yeah. and uh, Profundity, we have 49 Profundities as well. So, certainly, if we didn't have those, you know, all of those GLs, we would be we would be focusing on them too because they're very important, like Raider just said. So, um, as far as what we are, <clears throat> I'm sorry. What what, <laughs> what was your question again? <laughs> um, what did what did you draw the short stick on for? Oh yes, that's here? right. Yes, yes, yes. I knew it had something to do with platoons. Yeah. Okay, so the way that Mandalore did it, and again. This is probably not going to be feasible for most other guilds. Um, it might be, but most other guilds are still struggling to like push up older GLs. Like they don't have six or seven GLs per account. So what uh, what Mandalore did was I, I made a spreadsheet of all of the rare crappy platoons. And uh, I, I didn't even include the newer releases like Dr. Afra's requirements and all that good stuff because I, I know that people are already working on, on those. We're going to have enough to be able to platoon them, you know, pretty, pretty soon. I, I don't need to force anybody to relic those up prematurely. So all of the platoons like Low Gray and Ugnaught and Rolo and, you know, IPD, all the ones that, you know, are crappy that we have to get them all the way up there to r7 or whatever those are the ones that i put in a spreadsheet there are probably about 35 total 
that we needed after analyzing what our guild already has. And so I just put it up there. And I was like, look, um, we're not going to force anybody to do any of these. We're not going to assign them. But it would be re really great if you guys would just, you know, pick one of these, put your name next to it in the Google Sheet and have it done by the time Scythe uh, gets released. Because, you know, we can't really fill platoons until Scythe gets released anyways. Yeah. So. so that's how we did it. Um, I personally, uh, I signed up for an R6 Rolo. Um, partially because I'm one of the smaller accounts in the guild and I don't really spend money. So um, <clears throat> it's not as, it, it, let's say it's, it's more difficult for me to take up a character all the way to R7 or R8 than it would be for someone else with a bigger account who's been playing longer who maybe spends money. So, but I was perfectly willing to sign up for more characters if nobody else signed up for them. Yeah. It's, uh, and to our credit, you know, our guild, we had we had the whole list done in about 24 hours oh nice so not done but you know filled out assigned yeah. so and uh pretty much everybody either picked a tune or was willing to pick a tune so that's how we did it uh, i've got r6 rollo on my roster now yay <laughs> um no i don't have her omicron no i'm not planning on getting her omicron <laughs> um but I think she might be decent with the new Sarah Stanos, whatever her name is, whoever she is. I don't really know who she is. Yeah. Uh, but she's in the game now. So I think she might be good with that team in the future. So mm -hmm. we will see. Uh, how about you? Which, uh, which character or characters are you, uh, are you signed up for that maybe aren't quite so appetizing? Yeah, so we did something similar um, about taking some of the trashy characters and kind of putting them down and trying to knock those out first. There are some decent ones that we still have left the, that we're going to be going to our guys um, this week at some point to put out. So things like um, Repock, you know, a lot of people have them at R5, just bump it up to R6. We're only missing one of those. Ben, ben Solo or Swolo, we're missing several of those because of Relic Levels. Um, you know, things like that that are good characters. We knew we wouldn't have a problem with getting people to add some relic levels to. So we wanted to start with those trashy ones real quick and kind of get people on those. Um, the, tr the two trashy ones that I got were an R5 Ugnaught, um, which super excited about that sitting and wasting away at my roster. <laughs> and then I also got Rolo. Um, mine's R7. Um, so I'm, those are my two kind of quote unquote trashy characters. And I've got some other ones that, um, I'm farming alongside Jabba. So R7 Boosh, R7 Scando, R5 Gamguard that'll eventually go to R7, I'm sure. Um, those are kind of some additional platoon characters that weren't filled in Scarif yet that I signed up for. Um, and that was similar to the other officers in Scarif. I know they're not on the voice chat or the call with us right now, but, um, the officers kind of took the, the, punch um, for a lot of us and and got some of those really, really trashy characters like uh, Vitus has an R7 cup. <laughs> um, Cappy and, and Dran have some pretty bad uh, Ewok stuff. Ewok Scout, Low Gray, that kind of thing. So anyway, those are mine. Ugnaught and Rolo and yay, so excited for. But again, it's that, it's that guild mindset. It's what, this is what we have to do because the platoon or operation bonuses are so much. Um, Lab, you mentioned something just a, a second ago. I kind of want to come back to it on the individual plans or guild plans for Rise of the Empire. You mentioned it with Rolo pushing her up for TB and not applying her Omicron. What what do you assess the value of TB Omicrons after just this initial run? Yeah, that's a great question. 
And I don't feel like I have a perfect answer yet because we have really only experienced the first three way, the first three phases of the, the territory battle. We, <clears throat> we got 27 stars and it was three starring every single planet through phases one and three. Mm-hmm. That will not be our plan going forward. So we'll experience a little bit more of it. We'll, we'll be doing more of phase four this, this coming time around. But I, I, can, I can honestly say with a roster, even like mine, where, you know, just like you, I have R5 Cat. So you know, I couldn't use her past day one. I have a lot of just minimum relic re- requirements on a lot of characters just for GLs. And even, even with that, I was able to do almost all of the missions that didn't require a super outlandish special character up through the first three phases. And that's without any territory battle Omicrons. Hmm. So I can say for the foreseeable future, Mandalore doesn't really see the, uh, the utility of asking for territory battle Omicrons right now. Now, I say that with a huge caveat because, yes, we, ha- we haven't really experienced <clears throat> any of the last half of the territory battle yet, which we will end up pushing for at some point. And there's a strong likelihood that there will be some missions in there that just, they just need a territory battle Omicron for it to, you know, for us to be able to make any headway. And I don't know if you've looked at the point values for the CMs in later phases, yeah. But they, they do increase. They do. Uh, e- e- <laughs> and this seems like, you know, way far away in the future. But if you get to phase six, yeah. you know, those, those combat missions are worth over a million points. Yep. So they, they do end up becoming fairly important across the guild spectrum. So I don't want to write off TB Omicrons completely yet. And I will also mention this caveat, which you, you probably will cover as well. For guilds that are lower than Mandalore, which is everyone else in this alliance, you probably don't have, you know, six GLs on your roster that you can use to kind of overpower some of these combat missions. And so maybe you do need a TB Omicron, you know, to just have that extra team that's consistent, that's not a GL. Maybe that is a good investment for you. So w- what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment on not not wanting to write them off too quick. I think that's um, wise from, from y'all's perspective, for sure. Um, similar to us, um, or similar to you, for us in Scarif, um, we're not going to push a TB Omicron because we're likely not going to get into the zones five and six for a long time. I mean, Mandalore has... Um, not quite 100 million GP on us, but almost 100 mil. Um, I think it's like 90 or 80 something. Um, and so we're just not going to get to that point, at least for a while. Maybe late 2023, maybe early 2024, maybe we'll get there. Um, but at that point, we will have known, hey, this is a good Omicron, or this character just came out with an Omicron and is really, really good. Um, right now, our biggest focus is on the individual player. Let's not worry about trying to maximize combat mission waves because the points values are so low for zones one through three, four starts getting a little bit more even uh, value for me on where the point values for two out of two are almost half a million. Like that's really going to start making a difference in zone four. Uh, But for right now for zones one through three, I just don't see the value of something that's so rare as Omicrons. Um, So yeah, just kind of hanging on to them right now, continuing to push, 
TWs, continue to push GACs. If you're wanting to be guild focused and do things for the guild, apply a TW Omicron rather than a TB Omicron for guilds like Scarif. Not trying to say that that's your, your path or your plan, but if you're thinking about something like a TB Omicron, I just would not put it on Rise of the Empire. I would put it specifically for Territory Wars. So anyway, that's kind of where we are. Yeah, um, and, and I think I think most guilds will probably settle on that particular uh, strategy, more or less, as we continue to run the territory battle uh, more and more, and we get more you know used to what the demands are and where the bottlenecks are. Yeah, um, which is you know that's going to be that's going to be definitely an interesting thing to to monitor in the future is what uh, what is the progress going to be like? How quickly can a guild achieve another star in this? Um, and you know, cause th there comes a point like where Mandalore is, we, we expect to get 30 stars this upcoming TV mm -hmm. at least. And once you get into the thirties, every star that you can push, it actually gives quite, quite a nice little return in terms of crystals, um, and get one, two and three, but also those those very rare items like the impulse detectors and, and even Gurdic keypads once you get to 35. So oh nice. Nice. Okay. Well that kind of um sort of leads to the the next question. In general for the rewards for the Rise of the Empire, one of the biggest um selling points for guilds pushing into this is pushing Reva. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, Lab. Um I don't think you have Grand Inquisitor yet, or maybe you do. Um did did you get to run the the Reva mission, or did you get some talk uh, with some of the people in Mandalore who did get to run the Reva mission? How was that? Yeah, so uh, I do not have Grand Inquisitor, um, but I made it a point to study the gameplay of the mission, just like I did with the Cam mission, because <clears throat> I, I more or less I don't trust anybody else to do it except for me. Yeah. So. Um, the mission itself, I ran. I ran with probably six or seven of our members um, who chose to stream the battle, uh, and I've you know watched video footage of maybe another dozen or so runs before and after. So I, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on the mission, even though I don't have Grand Inquisitor myself yet. Um, in terms of how it compares or how easy it is. Um, it definitely is easier than the cam mission. Okay. 100%. Sweet. So no more now, hours spending on discord streaming for people. <laughs> Fortunately, no, I think that, uh, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I was very relieved when I saw the, the mission itself for sure. I think that the, the quote unquote difficulty lies in just understanding the mission and what what the winning and losing parameters are, and understanding your Inquisitor's kits and what the most important moves are to be executed when. And as long as you have those two things, CG is basically saying, if you're a half-decent player with half-decent mods and are, are willing to either stream with somebody who knows or you know put in a little bit of time and effort to understand the mission, you're gonna get your shard, uh, and then you know the, the the big gate is of course R seven on all those inquisitors. CG really wants you to do that too. <laughs> nice, yeah. That was that was gonna actually gonna be my next question was um you know the R seven gate that's on there. 
Who who is the inquisitor to leave off of that team running that mission? Yeah, great question. And <clears throat> the answer for this current point in time right now is you want to leave off second sister. Um you you do get a noticeable statistical bump in wins when you use eighth brother over second sister. Okay. Now, I will add a huge caveat to this. That is with the mission as it currently runs right now. The platoons for day three do affect that mission. And the biggest way that it affects, there's two big ways that it affects the mission is that if you don't do any platoons, they get to summon that silly pirate that has retribution. So in addition to all the Jawas in there, in addition to JMK and Wave 2, there's a pirate with retribution. And he does a lot of damage. Once you fill platoons, he will no longer be summoned. Nice. He, will, he will not be there on the mission. And that will make the mission much, much easier. Like you can probably button mash at that point as long as you just hold the cleanse for the right time and you will win. Now, the other thing that the platoons do is it gives the opposing uh, enemies 25% turn meter when you open up the game. So even at you know 360 speed, seventh sister or fifth brother, you're still getting outsped by these Jawas because of that turn meter. Once that turn meter is no longer there, you will not get outsped. You will get to ability block everyone. And again, the mission will be much, much easier. At that point, I don't think it matters whether you have eighth brother or second sister in the team. Uh, you're just going to win. Uh, it's not going to be a difficult mission at all. Nice. And so the reason that I say all that is because for those of you who don't have Grand Inquisitor yet, but are thinking about it in the future, you should probably try to figure out how, like, what's the timetable on your guild being able to do platoons for the third day? Because if your guild will be able to do those platoons, I, I think it's smarter to do second sister to R7 for her ship. Yeah. Um, but if your guild is not going to be able to do those platoons for a while, and you want to have a higher chance at getting your shard, Definitely 8th Brother is, is the choice. And it's further complicated by the fact that 8th Brother tends to be the more preferred 5th character in that team anyways for Territory Wars and GAC over 2nd Sister. She often gets left on the bench for, for the ideal Grand Inquisitor teams. So the moral of the story is there's not really a right or wrong answer for either of those two. Just choose choose whichever one makes more sense in your current paradigm. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I appreciate that um, thorough answer because I'm one who I'm farming Jabba currently. Hopefully, we'll start farming shards by the end of the month or first second week of January, um, and then right after that, I'm jumping straight into Grand Inquisitor. Um, so that'll be uh, <laughs> on my radar of what I have to do to fill the Grand Inquisitor um, unlock and for the Reva shards at the very end. So I'll kind of be keeping keeping my eyes on Discord chats and some of the YouTube streamers that are publishing videos and stuff to kind of see what what is best for Eighth Brother or Second Sister. So appreciate that. Yeah, I have no doubt that both of them will be ideal in certain, you know, team setups. 
<laughs> so it really is just going to be a matter of whether you choose to do them all so that you're ready for that or you know if you want to choose to have one that's just a little bit less powerful that's 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 really all it comes down to in the end yeah yeah good point good point um lab that leads us to our next uh question and i know um, I've gotten a lot of questions about it in the Scarif channels. I'm sure you've gotten a lot of questions about it in Mandalore and uh, general Discord stuff. We've both seen it pop up. Um, one of the more pressing questions right now in the Alliance or in the Swaga community is what do we do with our Git 3? What are your thoughts there? So the answer to how I spend Git 3 is an interesting one. Um, I'll, I'll talk about what I personally am going to do, and then I'll talk about what other alternative paths might look like for people who don't have an account like mine. Mm -hmm. So uh, my current plan is to hoard them for about a month. Mandalore gets close to 5,000, get three right now per TB run. Since there's a cap at 20K, I've got about two more runs before I have to fully commit to something so that I don't hit the cap. Uh, my initial plan is to spend my get three on Zen Biddles. Mm -hmm. And here's why. Uh, they're not the, the most crystal per get three uh, efficient material in that store. That is, uh, that's actually Chirotech. But... For me, there are already a couple other sources of Chirotech, and that's not going to be my main bottleneck for the new content. The new content heavily relies on high relic levels and relic scavenge materials. And so gearing new teams is not going to be as important as pushing relics on important teams. So to that end, if I could buy signal data... I would buy signal data, even if it was a horrible exchange rate. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's not one of the options. So I will, I will purchase the next, the next best thing, which is Zen Biddles. It's a decent return. You can get you know, two of them for 850 of the currency, which means that just from the box, I can get an entire new R7's worth of Zen Biddles. Yeah. Fortunately, there is a pretty decent, uh, like it doesn't take a whole lot of purchases to be able to run out of currency on the Zen Biddle. So I think I have time to make sure that that's the proper assessment. I think the alternative would be something even further up the ladder, like impulse detectors um, to push R8. But that's, that's kind of my plan. Uh, how about you? Why don't, why don't I throw it to you before I talk about alternative plans? What are, what are you planning on doing with your currency? Yeah, so for me, um, I have most of the Conquest units, or at least they're close enough where it's like a four or five month uh, Proving Grounds uh, scenario to finish unlocking them. So spending Get 3 on that is not ideal for me. Um, I have uh, the GOTB units in CAM and Watt at 7 Star. Understands, you know, that could be a compelling thing um, for some people. And for me, um, similar to you, I, I don't need Kairos from that store. Um, I need Kairos from Get2. I need Kairos from my normal farm, uh, like normal farming light side energy when I'm done with hard node uh, farming. Uh, everything goes into Cairo and has been do doing that for probably a year and a half or two. Um, so that's where I kind of get my Kairos from. So similar to you, I'm going to purchase 
with get three once I have a horde up enough to where I'm almost pushing max after ATB reward, um, then I will start spending it on Zen Biddles. Currently, Zen Biddles for me are bought exclusively through crystals, which is really draining on my crystal stash and limits me ha having the ability to um, speed up farms for GLs or push up ship uh, stars um, because I just don't have enough of a large crystal income to be able to do that along with doing the 12 energy refreshes per day once conquest rolls around spending 150 a day on that it's just my, my crystal resources are getting so drained and on top of that having to throw it towards zimbiddles if i can find a relief for that that's kind of my big goal and like you said zimbiddles are such a not not a great price not an amazing price but a decent enough price that i have to do something with this get three anyway i think i'm going to start throwing it at zimbiddles down the road i'll probably start doing similar to you impulse and, and gerda gerda key pads so anyway that's me all right so it looks like lab had to go jump off and deal with uh six kids at home so um i'm just going to kind of finish up the last little thoughts on the podcast myself um the one thing Lab was talking about there was the potential path for other people um, and things that they may have to do, depending on, for example, if you don't have Cam at seven star or Watt at seven star or some of those conquest units that are seven star or close enough with proving grounds like myself where I don't need to spend get three on it because it'll be unlocked soon. What is what do those people kind of do? I think it's a it's a tough decision to make, um, especially depending on how many shards you're close to unlocking cam at seven star or finishing off cam he unlocks at four star uh, but how close you are to finishing off at seven star same with watt same with conquest characters i think it becomes more complex and nuanced at that point because the price of the get three per shard is the same as the zen biddle cost um per per shard of zen biddle as well it's 425 per uh, shard um, but you buy conquest units by five, so it's a bundle of seventeen fifty per conquest unit. Uh, GOTB unit is uh, per five is uh, twenty one fifty. So the the cost is a little bit different. Again, the value for get three is not awful. Um, it's it's a decent buy if you're comparing it to crystals. Um, and if you're in that spot, you just don't need the the Zen Biddles. You want to have Cam at seven star to have diversity with your um, Jedi teams, you want to have Boba Fett, uh, Sign of Django unlock sooner, or Cat as a premier conquest character, and you want to unlock those sooner than what Proving Grounds or Crystals can provide for you. I think Get 3 is a viable option for you. Um, I think that rotating t territory battles uh, for like Cam and Watt is also a viable thing for you, but trying to find those guilds that are still going to be running light side geo and producing 25, 30, 45 shards of cam is probably going to be a hard ask. Um, so it's really hard and difficult to say for sure. This is the way to go for um, every single character. It's up to you as the individual to evaluate the crystal cost, evaluate the get three cost, evaluate where your roster is and figure out what's best for you as an individual player and what's best ultimately for your guild. So for example, in Scarif, if um, you were assigned a, a Relic 7 low gray or something like that, um, and that's what you farm, that's what you filled, and the guild is depending on you to fill platoons, if all of a sudden you jump off to 
um, another guild in the alliance or outside the alliance to try and get cam shard you could hurt your guild out of a star or two that way um, it's just something that you need to consult um, with yourself and with your guild officers and figure out what's the best path for you moving forward but i think it's a viable option to potentially spend get three on conquest units or those gotb units um, just a final thought on the tb as we wrap up this episode um, I was going to ask Lab this, of course, but um, something that I would love to see added in the TB. I know they've gotten empty, or they have empty planet areas where they could add something in the future. And in fact, in their developer question and answer thing that they've done for the TB, they mentioned and hinted at that very often in the uh, developer Q and A about the. Um, territory battle and mentioned the empty zones we could open things up in the future blah 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 um so something i would love to see added in the future obviously planet special missions that you know brings back um star wars lore brings back star wars memories those things would be great i think bad batch season two coming out soon could be a potential there they could add something obviously the mandalorian and um Book of Boba Fett, like those things are still being produced as well. You've got uh, Andor, um, you've got so many Star Wars things that are being published right now. I personally, I would love to see Endor. I would love to see that planet um, just kind of there. Love to fight some Ewoks. Love to relive the C three PO where they're worship, worshiping him. Um, love to see the fights that happened on Endor. Those things would be kind of cool. Maybe even have a potential unlock uh, character on from Endor would be wonderful. Endor, uh, Leia, Endor. Um, Han, we need more Hans, right? <laughs> um, an indoor Chewie, uh, any of those things would be fine with me. Um, I just love to see some things there with indoor specifically. So that's me. Um, let, let us know what you guys think, um, maybe uh, in the Alliance channels, and, and let us know. Just have an open discussion with us about some things that you would love to see, your plans with Get3, your thoughts on the Grand Inquisitor Reva mission what your farming plan is, and all those things that are related to Rise of the Empire. So appreciate you guys joining with us so much today. Um, hope you have a good holiday season for most of you when you're listening to this and enjoy some time with your family and hope this upcoming year is a great one for you and for um, your experience with Star Wars. So thanks so much for listening. You have a great day.